Oh, can we lift him up right now? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, have you come to touch the Lord today? Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Amen. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm glad to be back in the house of the Lord today, worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. Amen, amen. Well, I uh, found out about this about a year ago this time, and uh, that's just a mean thing to do to a person. Amen. But uh, I do count this an honor to stand in this pulpit and to preach. I love you, Elder Morton. You have meant so much to our family through the years. He's always been there. Seems like that he would always uh, just show up by surprise, and it was a good sort of surprise. But uh, he he was there, uh, showed up to the hospital when I was born in Madera, California. He surprised me by showing up to my wedding. He surprised us many different times. And then again at this installation service, he just appeared. And uh, I love Elder Morton. I love you. Amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. So glad for all of you that are here. Amen. So thankful for my family that is here. The church in McMinnville that has come. A great representation. Appreciate your strength standing behind me, preaching with me. Amen. So thankful that my pastor, my father, is here. Appreciate the word that he's put into me. Amen. Thankful for my wife, my daughters being here, all of our family. Amen. I'd like to direct your attention to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 26. And I want to say while you're turning there that some of us were mere children when we started coming to this meeting. And we've always heard a clear sound, amen, coming to this meeting, amen. Preaching has put conviction in our heart like the preaching that we heard last night. Aren't you thankful for what we heard last night? Aren't you thankful for what we've heard up to this point? This meeting has put a love for the truth in my heart and a love for holiness and convictions that I hold dear today. And we've heard that uh, you can have revival without compromise. Amen. You can have revival without compromise. And uh, so I feel that God has given me a word for us here today. And I want to draw your attention to the Gospel of Matthew chapter number 26, starting with verse number 6. Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box, a very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. And when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? 
for she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial for her. Wherever this gospel is preached, I want you disciples to mention this little lady and tell of what she has done as a memorial for her. Amen. A memorial means to remember. Amen. And I want to preach for the next little bit. What will you be remembered by? What will you be remembered by? Can we lift our hands right now and ask the Lord to come by and anoint His Word to minister to hearts in this place? Lord, we need Your touch. We need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We need the moving of Your Spirit. I pray right now, hallelujah, You'd quicken Your Word. Oh, to my heart, Lord, help me to be a vessel, a conduit, Lord, that You can move, hallelujah, and talk to hearts to strengthen some young people, to strengthen some uh, single adults, hallelujah, to help some single, hallelujah, people and some young couples, hallelujah, uh, to help a young preacher, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. You may be seated. When you think of people that you have known in your lifetime, you tend to remember them by something. You attended school with them. Uh, certain characteristics stand out to you. Maybe you worked with them. Uh, we always like people that are humorous and are fun to be around. And uh, there are certain people that you remember certain things about them. And uh, there's things that stand out to you uh, about certain people. If you were to call their name, you would remember uh, something about them. And what they've accomplished in life uh, stands out. And when we go to the time of a funeral, what do we do? But we memorialize or we remember. We remember people and uh, different ones maybe get up and make comments and mention uh, what they meant to them. And they would mention uh, what they had accomplished and how their, their connection to the person and by the end of the service, you feel like that you know them better. You remember them by what makes the biggest impression upon you. And uh, we see from our text story here that while Jesus was sitting down to eat, that uh, the sister of Martha and Lazarus by the name of Mary came and she brought an alabaster box. The alabaster box was made of precious stone. It was filled with spikenard, which was a very expensive perfume or ointment, as one uh, writer writes. And its value was that of a year's worth of wages. So it was of great value. It was worth so much. And she took what she had and she gave it to the Lord. She took what was most valuable to her and she gave it 
to the Lord that day. And the only way to get the spikenard out of the alabaster box was to break it, to get it out. I want you to know that God responds to people that give everything, that take what is precious and take what is valuable and they give it to Him. God responds to people that pour themselves out in living for God. Amen. Amen. When we will give of ourselves that that is most valuable of our time and of our life and of our finances, God gets the glory. Does anybody want to give glory here to God? Hallelujah. Let's give some glory to God right now. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. When we pour out our energy and our effort into the kingdom of God, we get God's attention. We get God's attention. But to his disciples, he said, to what purpose is uh, this? His disciples were saying, what is the purpose of this waste? The, the thought process of Judas was that we could sell this. We could take this and sell it and give it to the poor. We, we could use this for something that would be of greater value. Carnal thinking, ignorant thinking, thinks that living for God is a waste, young people. Amen. The way we live is a waste to our world. It's a waste to the natural man. To come and to spend your money to come to a meeting like this is a waste. Oh, you just wasted your money on that hotel room. You wasted your money on that rental car. You wasted your money to come and and have time off of work and not get paid for it. Amen. They think it's foolishness to come and to pray before church and to, to amen the preacher. They think it's foolishness the way we dress. They think it's foolishness to be faithful to the house of God. Amen. They think it's foolishness for us to give our lives and our money and our time to serve Him. But to the natural man, the things of God are foolish because they are spiritually discerned. To some... It's a waste. But I want you to know that when you pass from this life, what are people going to remember you by? What seems like a waste to this world is not a waste in the kingdom of God. It's not a waste to the people of God. It's not a waste to the church of the living God. Hallelujah. When you invest yourself in spiritual things, you guarantee your salvation. When you pour yourself into the kingdom of God, you're investing in something that will outlive you. When you pour yourself and invest yourself into God's work, amen, you not only have something to be remembered by, but you have something to pass to the next generation. Wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, I want you to tell of this little lady and what she's done for a memorial of her. I want you to memorialize or remember what she has done. This most important thing. It's what we do for God. Amen. That's we're going to be remembered by. Over the past Several years I have been looking into 
uh, my family history and heritage, realizing the godly heritage that I've been handed. Yes, there's a few alcoholics and a few uh, God-haters in, in all of our families, but I got to looking at the heritage that God has given to me. Heritage is something that's handed down from one's ancestors. Heritage is something uh, you inherit from your family or your roots. It's what you've been handed by reason of birth. But your heritage doesn't make you anything. My heritage doesn't make me anything. But a legacy is something that you leave behind. Legacy is something that's up to you to fulfill. Legacy is what you do with what you have been handed. Legacy is what you will be remembered by. My heritage, amen, has some history in Pentecost. My great-grandfather, Earl Toole, was born in 1894 and came into Jesus' name Pentecost out of the Campbellite movement. Around 1917, he was among those that separated themselves from the Trinitarians and joined together to be associated with oneness churches and men of like precious faith. He was at uh, a lot of the early Brush Arbor meetings and camp meetings. We have several pictures of him and he is standing there with other uh, forefathers of Pentecost. Amen. Earl and Francis Toole had five children, three uh, daughters and two sons. And my grandfather, Winfred Toole, was born in 1927. When he was two years of age, uh, his mother passed away. And uh, she had been sick for some time and and uh, Grandpa Earl Toole had been pastoring back in Illinois. And so he farmed out each one of the children to a couple, a good couple in different churches that they could raise these kids. Uh, if we were giving him advice today, we would probably say, well, you need to find a good church and, and just sit down there and raise your kids and, and uh, save your kids and save your family. But uh, he had a work to do for God. And so he farmed these children out. And he went evangelizing. And uh, he left my grandfather with uh, their, the foster parents by the name of Harkins in Carbondale, Illinois. And uh, there's, a, there's a history there of, of evangelists coming through and preaching for that church. And one of them by the name of Morris E. Golder stayed with them in their home. And he uh, would help my grandfather in memorizing scripture and talking to him about the things of the Lord and putting some things into him. And uh, at this same time, Earl Toole uh, keeps evangelizing and moves his way out to California. Ended up marrying one of the, the Zimmer twins. Little California history here. And Earl and Ethel Toole had a burden to start churches, to do a work for God. And one of those churches was the Pentecostal church in Modesto, which was birthed out of a dream that they had. They started it in 1933 and invested their inheritance that they could have passed on to their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. They invested their inheritance 
into a piece of land on Tuolumne Boulevard to start a church in the city of Modesto. And uh, while Earl Toole was married to Ethel, uh, Brother Julius Rohde was a Sunday school teacher in the Lodi Church, Pastor J.A. Johnson. And uh, he married the other sister, uh, Lillian. And uh, he had been fighting the call to preach. He was a grocery store man, a successful businessman. But he had kind of been fighting the call to do something for God. And Earl Toole would keep pushing him. You just need to, to just give in and do a work for God. And uh, Brother Rody said, uh, if, if God really wants this, he would have to do something drastic. He'd have to burn my grocery store down. And so it was that uh, his grocery store burnt to the ground. And uh, God called him to the ministry. He ended up coming and taking the church in Modesto in about 1940. And uh, the church flourished and grew. And they had revival. He was a, a man of, of, that believed in Sunday school and bus ministry and outreach. Amen. Amen. And uh, I see uh, that, 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 that we have people here that are a result of some of this effort that went forth. Amen. Well, while uh, Earl Toole was out in California, Winfred Toole, my grandfather, grows up and gets enlisted into the uh, Air Force, and he was in Japan. And, uh, and so when, when he was discharged, he gets a letter in the mail from my great-grandfather and says, I want you to come, and I want you to live with me. And you understand that, uh, that uh, he didn't have the Holy Ghost at this point. But uh, they had been split apart for so long that they met at the bus station with pictures in their hand that they could see one another and know what one another looked like. And they met. And they came and he lived right here in Fresno. He got the Holy Ghost down here in Calway. And God called him to preach. And he began to evangelize and run up and down this 99E Riding the bus, preaching revivals. Preaching revivals. He preached a revival every January for Brother Rody in, in uh, Modesto. And uh, God used these men. He took a church in Exeter, uh, California, and pastored there for a few years. And then in 1955, Winford Toole started the church in Madera, California, and pastored there for 19 years. Amen. And at this, during this same period of time, Earl Toole pastored a little church over here on Millbrook Street. I'm just telling you about my heritage. Both my great-grandfather and my grandfather loved this truth. They made sacrifices and poured themselves into the work of God. Amen. My grandfather, Winford Toole, carried convictions and doctrinal beliefs that were passed down from his father. My godly heritage were people that sacrificed and poured themselves into the work of God. Amen. They would stir out peanut brittle to make the church payment. And they'd do whatever it took to have a church. If they had to live in the church, they'd make sacrifices to have a church and have a building and have what we have here tonight. Amen. Today, rather... I've come to preach to my generation 
We can't take our heritage that we have been handed for granted. I've come to preach to my generation. We have a heritage that we've been handed. Psalm 61 and 5 says, Thou hast given me the heritage of them that fear thy name. Our spiritual forefathers have handed us something. They've handed us doctrinal beliefs. They've handed us convictions that we have here today. Amen. And it's men like these that have lifted up the banner of truth in their generation. And so it's imperative that we carry on the same doctrinal beliefs and convictions in our generation. We can't forget what we've been handed. Amen. We've got to make sure, amen, that we don't let it somehow slip and somehow lose a grip and fall to where we don't recognize what we've been handed and we don't let it live on through us. But I've come to reaffirm what they have handed to us, what we have been given. I've come to reaffirm the beliefs. Amen. We heard it last night, but you're getting ready to hear it again. Amen. When this was born out of a prayer meeting, a red hot old fashioned prayer meeting, seeking God for direction, feeling after the presence of the Lord, praying until you get an answer. Hallelujah. Travailing in prayer and seeking God. Hallelujah until seeking God until until you get the answer until you get the victory until you get the breakthrough until you get deliverance oh let's lift him up and worship right now hallelujah They preached the word of God without fear or favor. They didn't care about entertaining people. They didn't care about telling a lot of stories to try to make you feel good, to try to entertain you, to try to carry you into this wonderful place and end on an emotional high. They didn't care about hype. They didn't say everything just so perfect. Amen. They didn't come to impress people. But they came to preach the word. They came to preach doctrine. They didn't come with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of the power of God. Hallelujah. Amen. They preached the oneness of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Hallelujah. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh. Hallelujah. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seed of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, and believed on in the world and received up in the glory. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Let's worship the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
They love the name of Jesus. They love the name of Jesus. Amen. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. They preach neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Hallelujah. They preach this salvation message that except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. They preach that you had to repent. Amen. You had to be baptized in Jesus' name. They preach that you had to have the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what we've been handed. And we've got to keep preaching it. We've got to keep living it. We've got to keep standing for it. It can't get old to us. We can't get tired of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They preached holiness. Separation from the world. Amen. This is getting less and less popular in some places. Amen. But I believe it's popular here today. Follow peace with all men. And holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Hallelujah. My great grandfather took a stand against going to the theater. Where they acted out things. Real people were acting things out. The theater. My grandfather preached against the movie theater. Where it wasn't done live, but it was done on a screen. And he stood against television with other elders like David F. Gray and Clyde J. Haney. Amen. I give them honor today. Amen. We're still against television. We're against video. Amen. We're against it on any medium. I don't care if it's a big screen or it's your cell phone, your iPad, your computer. We don't watch Hollywood. We don't follow this world. Hallelujah. I'm just preaching to you what I've been handed. We don't get our fashion cues from this world. We don't get our fashion from Paris. We don't get our fashion from New York. We don't get our fashion from Hollywood. We say what would please the Lord. How does the Lord want us to dress? How does the Lord want us to adorn ourselves? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I'm afraid that the enemy can move in and attack us and slip right under the radar through things like fashion, through things like cell phones. Amen. But we've got to preach against. Amen. What is wrong about that? Amen. Amen. We've got to preach against Hollywood. We've got to preach against the fashion industry of this world. The fashion designers of this world are pushing unisex dress. They're pushing effeminacy on boys and men. Amen. We need to stand against it and quit ye like men. We need to stand up and hold to the heritage that God has given us. Hallelujah. Our elders gave us a move of God's spirit, a move of the Holy Ghost. They gave us powerful church. Amen. They gave us worship in the church. And we can't get so refined and so gussied up and so spiffy and we're such God's blessed us and we wear nice suits and nice shoes and the ladies wear nice dresses and do their hair up so beautiful and I love the the apostolic uh, holiness standards that we hold dear today amen but I don't want to get so fashionable and dress so good that we can't worship. We can't run these aisles and we can't dance in the spirit anymore. We can't be slain under the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, but I've come to worship like Grandpa did. I've come to praise him and sing like great grandpa did. Hallelujah. 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 We can't let our clothes and our fashions and our shoes and our hairdos get in the way of our worship. Our forefathers would pick up bobby pins along the front of our altars. Why? Because they didn't care about their clothes. They didn't care about their shoes. They didn't care about their hairdo. They cared about touching Jesus. Hallelujah. They cared about pouring themselves out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They came to have church. They came to sing the songs of Zion. Hallelujah. They wanted to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. They sang songs that had meaning. They had words that meant something. Oh, I see a crimson stream of blood. Oh, the mighty God in Jesus. The mighty God is Jesus. The Prince of Peace is He. The everlasting Father. Hallelujah. They sang songs that had 
Amen. A move of God's spirit. Amen. They were seeking after a move of God's spirit. I want you to know I'm not opposed to new songs. If they bring God's spirit. But I don't want new songs that bring another spirit. I don't want to have songs that bring another sort of worship. Hallelujah. Just because it has a tricky tune and a cool rhythm doesn't mean we need to be singing it. Amen. But give me a song that has some words that speak the sentiment of my heart. Give me a song that ushers me into the presence of the Lord. Give me a song that brings worship and brings glory to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Give me a song that we can sing until the glory of the Lord comes down. Give me old time worship. Give me dancing in the spirit. Give me people that are slain under the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. My heritage is people that love preaching, that respond to the preaching of the word. Amen. My heritage is people that operated in the gifts of the spirit. I still believe in divine healing. I believe we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But my heritage is those that lived to go to church, lived to worship the Lord, lived to serve God, lived for God every day. Earl Toole would work in the field all day long. Sometimes still dark, daylight to dark, Brother Parker. Amen. And him and my grandmother would have to walk to church. And they'd be walking to church. He played guitar at church. He had the guitar over his shoulder. He'd have one kid on his hip. And they'd be walking for church. Maybe another, another kid in, in, in hand. And they'd be headed for church. And when they'd begin to hear the prayers of the people praying, oh, they couldn't wait to get to the house of God. And he'd grab that guitar and sling it over his shoulder and grab those kids and scoop them up and take off running for church because he couldn't wait to get to the house of the Lord. Couldn't wait to get to prayer. Couldn't wait to get there to sing hallelujah. Oh, he was a song leader. He loved to sing songs. He loved to preach the word of God. They poured themselves into the work of God. Hallelujah. That's the heritage that I come from. Not all of you here maybe have an earthly heritage like this, but I want you to know that you have a heritage like this in the people of God. You have a heritage in the people of God that have gone on before you. You have a heritage in the people of God that have prayed prayers, and you're here because of a result of those prayers that have been prayed. You're here because somebody got a burden for bus ministry. And you're here because somebody got a burden for your family and taught you a home Bible study. 
You're here because there was somebody that poured themselves into the work of the Lord. And I believe we're still reaping the benefits of the prayers that have been prayed, the messages that have been preached by previous generations. But the question that I want to ask here this morning is what are you going to do with what you've been given? What are you going to do, young people, with what you've been given? What are you going to do, young preacher, with what you've been given? We've been given a heritage. We've been given a treasure. We've been given something that's of great value. But what are we going to do with it? Are we going to think that our generation is smarter? Our generation is more educated. Amen. And I'm not advocating ignorance. Amen. We have the ability to have better church today than they ever did years ago. We can have a better production. We've got technology with all of its wonderful benefits and negatives that it brings with it. Amen. But I've come to have old time revival, old time church, old time Pentecost. I'm not interested in our platforms turning into stages. I'm not interested in drama. I'm not interested in our stages replacing our altars and smoke replacing the Shekinah glory of God. I'm not interested in a light show, but I'm interested in the fire of the Holy Ghost. to a time when we don't want to offend people. We want to be so careful about how we say everything that we don't cause anyone to be offended. But I'm getting to an age where I feel like just saying it with boldness. Just saying it how God gave it to me. Just preaching how God gives it to you. Hallelujah. Without fear or favor. Hallelujah. But the question I present to you today is what are you going to do with what God has given to you? What has been handed to you? The heritage that you have been given, what will you be remembered by? Are you going to carry on this message of truth that God has given you? Are you going to think because I'm young and I'm smarter and I have technology and I have a college degree that I'm smarter than grandpa? I'm smarter than great grandpa. I'm smarter than my parents. We've been given a heritage, but it's not what we've been given that matters. It's what we do with what we've been given. Are we going to keep it alive? Are we going to keep living it? Are we going to keep preaching it? Are we going to keep worshiping? Hallelujah. The convictions that we heard last night, are we going to keep on living it? Hallelujah. You may be seated. I want to quickly tell you about Erastus Linda Mood. 
his father Isaac had started a fire while living in White County, Virginia before the Civil War. When he moved to Tennessee in 1859, he brought the fire with him. It burned there in his little house in Long Hollow while Erastus was born some years later. It burned through the Apomatox and through Andrew Johnson's impeachment and through the reconstruction of the Civil War, all that had been destroyed. And uh, while uh, things were being uh, built and invented and airplanes were being invented and radios and hydroelectric dams, Erastus, amen, uh, was, was growing up. And uh, he said that I was born in this room and in the light of this fire. And the ashes seldom ever got cold in my lifetime. And in the early 1930s, the Tennessee Valley Authority prepared to start the Morris Dam Project located on the Clinch River. And part of the preparation was to relocate residents, including Erastus and the house that he had lived in. And uh, because they were going to cover all of these houses with the water uh, that was once uh, the, the land where they lived and they were going to build a dam and fill behind it with water. So they had to remove uh, all of these people. But Erastus refused to leave. They got everybody else to be re relocated, but not Erastus. They tried, but he refused to leave the little house. And they went and they kept trying to talk him into moving. We're building a dam here. We're going to fill behind it with water. We've got to get you to move. He said, I can't leave. And they said, why? Why can't you leave? He said, because if I leave, this fire will go out. And this fire has been burning ever since my father started this fire way back when. And so, he didn't want to move because he didn't want the fire to go out. He was unwilling to move from there because he didn't want that fire to go out. And they figured a way to move the fire. And he uh, was willing to leave then. But he didn't want that fire to go out. I want you to know there's a fire that has been passed down from generation to generation in the church of the living God. There's a fire that's been given to us. And it's our heritage. And we can't let the fire go out in our generation. We've got to keep the fire burning. We've got to let this fire burn so we can pass it on to the next generation. I'm moved by Paul as he writes to his son in the gospel, Timothy. He said, when I call to remembrance, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, 
which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. I am persuaded that it's in you also. And I'm putting you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God. Timothy, you've got a heritage. Grandma lived for God. Grandma had an unfeigned faith. Grandma served God. Grandma was on fire for God. That same faith was in your mom. And I'm persuaded that it's in you. And I've come to preach. Our forefathers have handed us something. They've handed us an unfeigned faith. And I'm persuaded that it's in you here today. That's why you're at West Coast Conference. It's because you have an unfeigned faith. Hallelujah. But I want to put you in remembrance of it. That you stir up the gift. Don't let the fire go out. Hallelujah. Don't lose your convictions. Don't lose what you've been handed. He says in 2 Timothy 2 and 2, The thing that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. I see that it's being passed from one generation to the next, from Paul's generation to Timothy, and from Timothy to faithful men, from those faithful men to teach others also. Timothy, I've handed it to your generation. I've committed it to your generation. And I want you to hand it to the next generation in the same way that I've handed it to you. I've come to tell my generation as we stand, we don't need a new way. There's not anything out there that's better than this. There's nothing in this world. There's no new doctrine that you need. There's nothing in the charismatic movement that you need. We just need to stick with the old paths where it is the good way and walk therein. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I've come to tell my generation We can't change what we've been handed. But we have to hand it on to the next generation the same way it was handed to us. We can't change it, young people. We can't change it, young preachers. We've got to leave it alone. Hallelujah. I don't just want to be remembered by the heritage that he was the son of a man of God. He was the grandson or the great-grandson of a preacher of the gospel. But I want to leave a godly legacy that says he was a prayer warrior. He was a true Christian. She was a worshiper. He was a soul winner. She was an awesome altar worker. They knew how to touch God. They knew how to pray. They knew how to work for God. Oh, I want to carry this 
gospel in my generation. And I want to pass it on to the next generation the same way it's been handed to me. Can we lift our hands and worship the Lord right now? Oh, let's lift him up. Let's lift him up. If that's how you feel, hallelujah, why don't you commit yourself to God right now? Oh, let's lift up our hands. Hallelujah, hallelujah.